This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters Podcast, where we take the intimidation out of well-being and beauty to help you achieve your highest state, your nirvana. We are sisters-in-law and your hosts. I'm Amy Sherman. And I'm Katie Chandler. So let's get into some real conversation. Welcome back to the show, Nirvana Sisters family. We have an exciting guest back with us. She was a huge hit when she was here the first time. It is parent coach Erica Brunwasser. My friend, my parent coach, the best parent coach around. For those of you that don't remember or maybe didn't hear her first episode, Erica Brunwasser is a parent coach and educator in Westport, Connecticut. Erica guides parents and helps them to overcome challenges and thrive in parenting and family life. She works with clients to become more connected and confident in order to help them and their children enjoy life and function better. And I can speak to that because she helped me do exactly that. Prior to becoming a parent coach, Erica was a New York City school guidance counselor for thousands of families. She was a school counselor at Wagner Middle School, Empowered Charter School, and Hunter College High School. She has helped many Fairfield County adolescents and families in various settings. Work includes leading girls empowerment groups for the new Canaan, Connecticut-based nonprofit organization, Live Girl, Live Girl, probably, Live Girl. And running the Jewish Teen Action Committee for the UJA JCC in Greenwich, Connecticut. She has a master's degree in education and school counseling from Fordham University. Let's just put it this way. She's beyond qualified. Bachelor's degree in psychology from Ohio State University. And Erica is very passionate about helping families achieve a strong connection to their children to live their best possible lives. So we have her back. We're going to get into some of these great questions about what we can do for our children, what we can do as parents to improve our lives all around. Well-being, right? It's all about the well-being. Yay. And I will say, welcome back, Erica. Your two episodes, part one and two, have been very, very popular with our community. They've gotten like one of the highest downloads we've had. So we're so grateful to have you back. And just for our audience, the last time Erica was on, it was March of 22. We did a part one and a part two. So make sure to check that out because it's a lot of great information in there. So welcome back to the show, Erica. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so excited. I had the best time with you last last year when I came and I love talking to you guys and listening to you and so excited to be here. Yeah, it's been on almost a year. I was thinking about that. It's crazy. I know, it's crazy. Time goes by so fast. Well, should we kick off with yeah. our Nirvana of the week? Amy, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. So um, I would say my Nirvana this week was I went to dinner last night with my dad. We did a little one-on-one dinner, which was fun and cute because he's always saying he never sees me enough, even though he like literally lives in my neighborhood and practically next door to me, my parents do, which is amazing. I'm really busy, so I don't get to spend as much time as we would like. So anyway, we did a little one-on-one daddy-daughter dinner, which was nice and just caught up and um, spent some time, quality time together. So that was my Nirvana this week. What about you, Katie? Really sweet. And I'm going to see your dad soon. Your parents are on their way here for the weekend. 
Yes. Um, I think my nirvana this week has been my other job. My other work is ramping up and I'm working a lot and I'm loving it so much. It's so funny how much I used to take it for granted 10 years ago before I was a mom, before like the whole thing, what I, you know, when I used to do it, I, I don't know, maybe I was burnt out. You appreciate it more now, probably so much more. And I have so much fun with my clients and it's just great. I love it. So it's definitely a nirvana for me. What about you, Erica? Isn't that amazing how work becomes a break sometimes yes. when you're a parent? Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> it's really. So mine is actually more like a nirvana of the month. I don't know if you guys saw, but if you follow Westport Mom's Instagram, they did a giveaway, like a huge holiday giveaway. And they gave away like 10 things worth like thousands of dollars, a massage, a photo shoot, a haircut and color, blah, 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 a million things a diamond sapphire ring. Wow. I won it. You did? (laughs) What? So I'm about to like collect my winnings. Nice. And I'm so excited. And like, that is so cool. I'm literally going to go get my massage and go pamper myself and have a family photo shoot on the beach all for free. Because the whole I won, package I was won. you won the whole thing. A That's friend. How do you, how did you enter uh, it? So, you know, on Instagram, when they'll be like, follow this person and tag a friend and you're mm-hmm. entered in our giveaway. So I did that. And a friend screenshotted it, sent it to me and said, you won. And I said, what did I win? She said, everything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, that's like total nirvana. I'm that's really amazing. Excited. Oh my yeah. God. That's yeah. so cool. Congrats. Congrats. I know. That's... Like who wins anything? I know. Right? <laughs> I know. Right? I, I, that's I know. amazing. I love it. Great. All right. Well, good for you. I'm jealous. Good for you. So, good yeah. For you. All right. Well, let's kick it off. So Erica has so much great content and she gives the, the most phenomenal advice and you absolutely have to listen to her first episodes one and two with us because we get into a lot. Um, I think this time around, we are just going to kind of dial into more like the wellness for you as a parent and how to keep the balance between you and your and your child. And, and you know, there'll be some other little tips in there. But to start out, this is one that I, I know I'm guilty of. I think probably every parent in the world is at least the moms who knows what the dads are thinking. <laughs> but nothing. <laughs> I just so we all compare ourselves to other parents all the time. It's social media, right? We see these like super moms doing all these amazing things and it's really hard to not compare. So tell us about that. How, how, what are you seeing with your clients in that respect? How are you dealing with that as a parent yourself? And what can we do to keep that, you know, from happening all the time? Comparison is the thief of joy. Yes, it really is. Yes. So um, it's actually interesting because I just read a book recently where the author talked a lot about this and it's called um, You Are Not a Shitty Parent <laughs> it's by an author named Carla Nomberg. Um, and I moderated like a book talk with her um, through the um, Jewish Federation of Greater Fairfield County. So I got to meet her and we discussed this at length. Yes. And she was saying that, you know, in our culture, social media has played such a big role in this and it's trickling down to the adolescents and to the, even like the, the early teens, late childhood. Mm. And I think that what's happening is, you know, we really are comparing ourselves so much and what's the bar has changed for like what we're striving for in our society. So like, whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was maybe normal to have ups and downs and good days and bad days. Now we're getting on social media and we're scrolling and we're seeing 
oh my God, this one's doing, you know, Amy and Katie are doing this unbelievable podcast. Look at them. What am I doing with my life? Or, oh, look at Erica. She did a speaking engagement as a parent coach the other day. But like, obviously my life is nowhere near perfect. Your lives are probably nowhere near perfect. But because of the the frequency with which we're looking at other people, I mean, you know how many times a day we're checking our phones? I know. It's That's crazy. So yeah. And it's, it's changing, I think, the bar for what we're striving for. And it used to be that, you know, maybe you'd pick up a fashion magazine and for, especially when we talk about girls and body image and, you know, adolescence, maybe you'd strive to look like the girl in the, in the magazine, but then you'd put it down and you'd get a break and you'd feel present, but it's, it's just constant. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, we really need to be mindful of our social media usage, how we're modeling it for our kids making a, an intention to say, I'm going to put it down between the hours of, you know, seven and nine or whatever it is. Um, and we really need to kind of remove ourselves. And I just, um, I think we need to take a little bit more control back. Like we've given so much control to these, these devices that we just can't live without. And I, I think it plays a huge part in at the end of the day, like really it's impacting our self-esteem and making us feel less than when that's not the case because everyone, everyone's life is up and down and in the middle, but people are only showing the best parts of themselves. Right. And that's what is so easy to forget when we see these influencers on social media, especially the parenting ones that are posting Mm -hmm. like every single day, they've Mm -hmm. got this new great craft that they're doing with their kid Mm -hmm. or how they've organized the playroom and done all of these amazing things we really do have to remind ourselves that that is just a small glimpse into their everyday life. They're also dealing in in the weeds and dealing with all Mm -hmm. of the crap, just the same as the rest of us are. So it's kind of a matter of, like you said, removing yourself and then also um, removing the devices rather, and then like having some self-compassion, right? I mean, I Mm -hmm. I literally very recently Googled, is it okay to yell at my kids? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say too. I mean, I also think social media is changing, or at least what I'm seeing. And like with my other job and the way that people are approaching social, I think that people are starting to be more real and to actually talk about real things, especially on TikTok. And so I'm really happy to see that people are actually like, uh, you know, filter off literally and figuratively, right? And talking about real issues and connecting with people more and more. So hopefully the trend will continue in that way. I think kind of gone are the days of these, like, I think people for the, well, I I would hope people for the most part with all these people that are thinking like everyone's lives are perfect can kind of look at it and roll their eyes and be like, okay. Cause it's not what you, what's that phrase? Like what you see is not always what it is, right? To your point, that's two minutes of their day and what else is happening. Like, so I think I try to take all of that stuff with a grain of salt and like, I just think you also have to have a really good like compass to be able to brush it off, which not everybody can. I mean, I know people who have just gone off social media because they think they're just, it's just really hard for them to to look to see what other people are doing. It's just hard for them to like not compare themselves or feel insecure. And like, I think if you're that kind of person, I think it is healthy to go off. Right. Yeah. And also, But I think too, we have to take all of these things with a grain of salt because nothing is what it seems yeah. to. And also cultivating a community around you that you know is comprised of supportive and real people, mm-hmm. right? So like, yeah, Katie, you and I are friends like for real outside of work. And like, I think some of the women that we're friends with here, 
that we've met in Westport are just super real and like will show up for you. Yes. And I think um, finding those people, it's not always easy and it takes time, especially if you're new to a community, but finding people who you feel comfortable, like showing your messy house to, right. Or like no makeup or like saying like, this day is a total shit show Yeah, because we need to have people who can normalize these things for us because life is up and down and our, we've never been so insular and all of throughout all of history, people lived in villages, people celebrated together, people mourned together. Now, like we're really kind of like on an Island at home. A lot of people are working from home or just kind of turning on the TV to keep our kids busy. And it's not something we should feel guilty about, but I do think to create intentional times to surround yourself in person with others with others who are real, with others who are also going through hard things, who feel comfortable sharing um, and normalizing the negative as well as the positive. I think that that's a huge piece of that. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. And I would say too, I feel like the older you get, you want to surround yourself with the people that you can be the most real with. To your point, like wear no makeup with, complain, talk about the good, the bad, have your house messy, like who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, and those are the people that you're going to end up, or at least that I end up gravitating to because like, you know, who has time to deal with the other nonsense? (laughs) And also parenting can be really isolating. I think sometimes when, especially in like the Mm -hmm. early years when the kid, when you have babies Mm -hmm. and when the kids are really little, it, you can just be so entrenched that you, it's hard to kind of see outside of what's going on in your you know, four walls. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's so true. Yeah. So it's, it's really consuming. It's all, consuming. it's all consuming. It really is. Um, yeah. So that's, those are all, that's all great advice. I, I, so speaking of that, it being all consuming, let's talk about, I saw recently that you were imploring your followers and your clients and everything on social media to put themselves first and to take care of themselves in order to be connected and be present with their children. And Amy and I, obviously we stand behind this. I mean, this is kind of, you know, why we're here and what we do is taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and your well-being to be your best self. Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about that. Why, yeah. why do you feel that's so important? So when I started this business was about a year ago and um, I had worked in schools, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, and I had gone to grad school for education and I had read all the books and done all the things and gone to all the professional development seminars. And I learned a lot about, you know, behavior and academics and kids and how to succeed and how to be mentally healthy and all that stuff. And I think that what parents were really yearning for, especially coming out of COVID, was like, just give me the strategies. Just this is happening. Tell me what to do. And they were so eager. Mm -hmm. And when I first started working one-on-one with them in this setting, not in the school setting, I was like, okay, well, now they're actually paying me, right? So I want to give them results. So I would just kind of like spit out strategies. Like, okay, you're doing this? Get a feelings chart. This is how you're going to use it. This is is a chart. This is a sticker chart. You know, and then I thought, wait, wait, wait. I know in my heart that what these parents need is to feel more confident in their parenting to feel more um, well-rounded overall, to feel like they have some fulfillment in their own lives. And as soon as parents can get to a place where they're feeling those things, then their kids will benefit as a result. Mm-hmm. It's not always about fixing the problem or you know, getting them through whatever stage they're in because the ups and downs of lives and, and development are going to happen. But 
you know how they say like happy wife, happy life. Well, like I think like a, a mom who is content and a mom who feels fulfilled is going to have a family who feels more content. And so what I started doing with my clients is really taking a look at their lives. We did this together, Mm -hmm. looking at the different areas of their lives. How are you feeling in love and romance? How are you feeling in work? What do you want to achieve in work? It's really setting concrete goals. You know, how are you feeling in communicating with your kids? How are you feeling um, with your home? And are you overwhelmed? And do you maybe need to move some finances around to get someone in to help you, you know, in some way? Like taking the pressure off setting concrete goals and allowing parents to feel like, actually, you know what, I'm important and I'm going to put my needs first. That has such a tremendous impact on the well-being of the whole family. And the kids end up being happier and healthier that way when the parents right. happier. Yeah, they benefit from it yeah. tremendously. Right. No, I think about looking back on times, maybe like this past year when I was having a, a harder year, of course, like I'm my temper is up. I'm more short fused. I might snap. Mm-hmm. I might like raise my voice more. Just generally speaking, if the if the mom, if the parent is feeling a sense of unease or stressed, it it like it leaches out into everything else. Right. Your kids feel it. I mean, like the temperature of the room changes if you're in a certain mood. Like everyone can feel that energy. And I also think it's really important, like we were saying with um, comparison like to normalize the good and the bad and everything in between. Right. I think when it comes to, and not to knock the name of your podcast, which is an amazing name, but I don't know that going for pure Nirvana every day is actually our goal. Right. You know what I mean? Right. 100%. Like right. maybe we're going for like mediocrity in our lives. Like maybe we're like, right. which is your Nirvana. Good. And that's, and yeah. maybe the, the bad yeah. days are, just something that come and we just kind of ride the wave and, and maybe being more accepting and more having the expectation that these are going to come and we're going to get through them is healthier for us and for our kids. Yeah. And, and that when challenges come up with our kids, it's not a catastrophe. It's actually just life and we will get through it and we can get through it. Right. And so I think when we're talking about our own wellness, our mindset and shifting to, um, away from perfection and to normalizing the ups and downs is a hugely healthy shift that we all should make. 100%. I speaking to that of, you know, these like the achieving the greatest Nirvana, I have been trying to live more like you have these like peaks and valleys, Mm -hmm. right? Like that we have really bad days. We have really great days. And I think trying to live in that like middle zone that like even keel all the time, you know, things, things are good things. Mm -hmm. Like we shouldn't always be shooting for the stars every day. And it's okay Mm -hmm. if we have these really bad days, if we can just kind of like the day to day exist in the middle. Uh, I mean, uh, for me, like that's my nirvana. And I think the kids can, can feel that like sense of calm and, you know, like we have a bad day. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Pick ourselves up the next day. It's fine. Like no big deal. And, and what goes hand in hand with that, which is maybe surprising to some of your listeners, is that if you live your life in a place where you're kind of expecting the bad to happen and, and you normalize that it's okay to have positives and negatives, I think that the kids will feel less intimidated to come to you with whatever's going on. Right. So when you talk about, like we were talking about being present and um, communicating, 
if, if it's expected that your kids are allowed to fail at some things or are allowed to go through hard days or don't always have to make the team or don't always, you know, have to have these perfectionistic standards, then they'll also be more likely to come to you with those things. Right. And so if you're modeling for them, you know what, this is a really hard week. I, you know, I'm not feeling great and that's okay because I know that next week is going to get better. Then um, it really opens up the lines of communication between you and your kid, especially adolescents, because as you know, Amy, <laughs> having adolescents, like they are so high and so low and um, mm-hmm. the lows. Okay. Like if they're feeling sad, like sadness is a part of life. Not, I mean, I'm not saying right. it should right. be, we should be overlooking depression or any serious mental illness, but highs and lows are. Okay. Right. The moody one day. All right. Whatever. And tomorrow they'll be in a different mood. It's just, just like us, right? Some days are good and some days are bad. And also just going back to like, the putting yourself first piece, they always say, which I hear all the time, but you know, on, on an airplane, you know, that comparison of like putting on your face mask before you put on your children's like, take care of yourself first before you can take care of your children, because otherwise you won't be able to take care of your children. So super important. And, um, yeah, I think it's a really good point about the Nirvana piece. And, um, just like Katie said, I think, and we always try to preach this too, about, whatever nirvana means for you, which could mean it's not a great day. It's not a bad day. It might just be in the middle or maybe today's bad, but I know tomorrow's going to be good. So like, I think it's about like adjusting that based on the day Mm -hmm. and trying to find some sort of joy throughout your day. But right. Not every day is going to be great. And I totally agree that it's really helpful to share that with your kids and tell your kids, you know, you're not having a great day or something like that because they're obviously very influenced by what other friends are doing on social media and all the things they aren't invited to potentially and all of that stuff. And they need to know it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very very well said. I totally agree. Well, I would love to get into some, some like quick tips that we might have for being more present with our children, connecting with our children and, and opening the lines of communication. We talked about this when you were here last time, but I think it's always great to repeat some of this. So what do you have for us there? So I think, um, you know, when we say being present with our kids, I think we have to define, like, what do we mean by being present with our kids? Am I suggesting that every single person put down their phone all the time and be staring at their kids? (laughs) I am not suggesting that. So sometimes I really do think people put that amount of pressure on themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, my kid's going to walk in the door, put down the phone, be ready. You know, like, not (laughs) reality. So I just want to be clear, like, that is not the goal here. But when you do connect and when you do make yourself available for connection, it should be as, you know, device free and as authentic as possible. So like maybe you make intentional, you know, times to have family dinner four nights a week. And if that's not realistic for your family, maybe it's three nights a week or, you know, um, maybe it's that you take a walk with your kid two days a week, you walk the dog, you know, and phones are away and you're really using those device-free times. There's an amazing book that I really enjoy that I think your listeners would enjoy called Simplicity Parenting. And the author is Kim John Payne. And it's all about how much our environment really does, um, you know, lend itself or not lend itself to connecting with our kids and being present. And it's amazing. Like even at bedtime, small environmental tweaks you can make like turning down the lights or turning off TV an hour or two before bedtime. Even if you just have the news on the background, some for some households, like that's the norm. And just thinking about changing little details and opportunities for connection. 
And I do think um, bedtime is a huge opportunity for connection. Like it's interesting. It's almost like our kids can like um, read our vibes that like, we just want to get upstairs to our room or get down the hall to our room. Like we just want to tuck them in and say goodnight and get out of there. And then they start like opening up with everything that happened that day, you know? So like, I think bedtime, if you can try to do bedtime and have a little routine for connection as often as possible. So question on bedtime, because I think when my kids were little, that was easier to do. And like, I could get little nuggets here and there, but now my kids were older, 13 and almost 16. And like, they go to bed later than me. I'm like exhausted at night. My little one will sometimes be like, can you rub my back? But it's like 1030. And I'm like, I'm so tired. I can't. And I feel bad. But like for teenagers, I feel like it's really hard to connect at night because they're already like, they're up late, they're doing their thing. Like, I don't know. So what do you, what are you seeing with like older kids and that connection at nighttime? Is it more during dinner? Yeah, I know. I would say don't force it, but like maybe it's something like you just leave your door open until Mm -hmm. then they may just kind of come and want to tell you something or, you know, something really simple like that. Or maybe it's you peek in before you go up and say like, hey, um, you know, maybe you start a new little ritual with them. Like, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to bed. But like I was I thought we could maybe try this thing where we do like highs and lows of our day. Like, you know, you could even suggest it at a time that's not bedtime. Um, try to right. kind of incorporate it into the bedtime. But I think, you know, yeah. it's a hard balance with adolescents because you don't want to push them because then you're not pushing them right. away. And, and it's okay that they sometimes leave for a bit and then come back to you. You know, you just make yourself available. Yeah. And there's, I think there are things you can do as well with all ages, like more kind of practical, concrete strategies, like, like body language, you know, maybe you're just kind of sitting in the same room doing your own thing, but maybe it's something as simple as just kind of like turning towards them, you know? And then like, you never know what, what can come from that. Like they may open up and say something or, you know, um, we, I think we talked about this last year when I was on the podcast, but just like noticing kind of really awesome things they do and, and saying it out loud. But so often we are Mm -hmm. so busy and we're going through our days and we're forgetting to say like, that was so awesome what you just did. Thank you. Like catching them in the moment that works for three-year-olds and I recently did that the other day with my younger one. And yeah, I exactly. So that works for three-year-olds, 13-year-olds. Because <laughs> he had like a really good reaction to something, which he normally wouldn't. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud of you that you handled it and that way. And what was his reaction when you said that? I, th- I think he just like smiled and like, you know, felt good. And by the way, they don't so show you that they feel good from a comment like that. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. good. They are. They're still Mm -hmm. human beings. They want to connect. They want to feel good. Think about at work. Like if your boss said to you, like, wow, you really, you know, I had asked you to work on that and you did. And I'm really noticing a change. Like you'd be like, yeah, I feel good, you know? Um, Totally. And then I think like, I don't know, for connection with teens, like I think parents really often forget, like you have to ask open-ended questions. You can't ask yes or no questions. That will totally shut them down. Did you have a good day? Yeah. That like, think about the difference between saying to someone, did you have a good day versus, oh, I wonder how that test went today. Mm-hmm. Like it's a totally different, it elicits a totally different response. Um, and people forget that, you know, usually using just simple statements, open-ended, like, oh, tell me more about that. Like, oh, I'd love to hear more about that when you're more in the mood, like not being pushy, but like giving them this opportunity to kind of right. respond in the ways that they want instead of 
yes or no questions tend to really shut down the conversation. Yeah, I, I just recently mm-hmm. started saying things at, at pickup because I was like, so tell me about your day and I would get nothing. Mm-hmm. So then I started saying, okay, what's one like really funny thing that happened today? Like, what, give me one thing that made you laugh or like, well, mm-hmm. was there a time today where you were like a little unsure and like anxious? Like you didn't, you couldn't answer, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to like pull these nuggets. It's amazing how much they don't want to talk. I know, but you know what? At your kids' ages, elementary, yeah, they're so exhausted at that time. Yeah, that's true. And they need that like, break yeah you need the quiet I mean a lot depends on your kid but if you have a kid who's a little more introverted they may just need to sit and chill and go in the room for an hour and and it may come out later like a bedtime yeah when you're ready to go to bed right right Right. I mean it's definitely the open-ended questions or statements are are huge and just thinking about like tweaking the things you say in a way that like from yes or no to open-ended can help a lot okay I've also found, and I've mentioned this before, um, I think I've told you this before, Erica, but I also find that my kids open up more when I'm doing something they want to do. So like Jackson, my older one is starting to drive. So like he really wants us to take him driving. I mean, he doesn't talk that much because he's just learning how to drive. So he's nervous, but like in general, like he's in a better mood when he comes back because he's like done something that he wants. Or like if you sit and watch a sports game or whatever it is, like they just tend to just give you a couple more nuggets because they're happy that you're doing that thing with them, whatever it is, versus being like, do you want to do this with me? And they don't want to do it. Even if it's something that you think is fun, like a walk or mm-hmm. this, and they don't want to do it. They don't want it to do it. It has to be their thing. It has, especially yeah. with the little ones, you can make a huge deal yeah. out of it. Like, Hey, guess totally. what? You are going to pick what we're doing today. And it's going to be so cool. You can pick a puzzle. You can, I can jump on the trampoline with you, you know, like whatever it is that they like to do. And you do it and you say like, this is just going to be like I say to my three-year-old sometimes, because I know that she feels when I'm busy and when I'm cleaning the kitchen, when I'm on a work call and I'm just kind of putting on the TV for her, then I intentionally will say to her, Marlo, me and you are going to have Marlo mommy time. And it's, and I know that it's just for the next 20 minutes. I'm going to put the phone in another room and we're just going to sit and I'm going to say, you get to pick. How cool is that? Do you want to read books or do a puzzle? So that works with Older ones, but especially the younger ones really it's, love it. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that works really well with Reese too, and she's five. It's amazing how much like 20 minutes of doing that one thing with her. Like we played Barbies last weekend for 20 minutes, and she was just like, mm-hmm. well, like she was done. Like for the day, she, yeah. she, she could have played by herself. Yeah, right? and you're you know? all in it for yeah. those 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's amazing actually how much they kind of will comply after that. Too. Yeah, it's true. like telling mm-hmm. a kid who feels like you fulfilled their need for a connection to brush their teeth is different than telling a kid who feels like they've been like ignored all day. Yeah. It's so, Mm -hmm. so true. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Before we let you go, Amy and I have some personal questions that we want to ask, and I would like to get your tips for how to handle bullying. Um, I've got a nine-year-old and she's getting into that age where it's all about social, social, social. And there is definitely some being left out going on, some bullying, some, some like rocky friendships and it's breaking my heart and I don't know what to do about it. It's really hard. Yeah. Mm. It's really heartbreaking. And I think I always, when I had my daughter Sadie seven years ago, it was like all of a sudden my heart went from (laughs) being in my body to now it lives outside of my body and it's, it's Sadie. And like, when she's happy, I'm happy. And when she's not happy, I'm not happy. And like finding a balance for ourselves as parents. And that's why putting yourself first is so important. And finding, you know, things that can kind of fill your cup, as we say, is a huge part of that equation. But 
it doesn't make it easier when they're going through something hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, when your kid comes to you with something hard and they are actually at a point where they're ready to open up to you about it, you got to thank them. The first thing is thank you. I think we maybe talked about that last time. Thank you for coming to me with that. I appreciate that. And then, you know, when they're coming to you, they want to know that you understand that you're there for them, that you're here for them. And they want to know that they're not alone, Mm -hmm. but they are not looking for you to fix it. Okay. That's interesting because that's where I'm getting pushback. I tried to, I tried to fix it and then she's shut down. And that's the thing. It's like, okay. um, There's this brilliant psychologist named Richard Schwartz and his method for therapy is called IFS. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Internal family systems. It's amazing. And I think your listeners would probably really like to know more about that so they can, you know, look it up. But um, basically he says that, you know, hard things are going to happen and um, sad feelings are going to happen. Angry feelings are going to happen, but the trauma doesn't come from the hard experience. The trauma comes from feeling alone in that experience. So okay. I just want to say one more time, okay. and I also want to yeah. say it's not my idea. It's Richard Schwartz from IFS, but it is brilliant, and it helps me in my work very much. So the trauma doesn't come from going through the hard experience. The trauma comes from feeling alone in that experience. And, and trying to get through it on your own. And so awesome. as a parent, yeah. when you've provided these opportunities for connection and for communication, and your kid knows my mom is here for me. Mm-hmm. She loves me. I can go to her. That is like 50% of the battle with the bullying and mm-hmm. with whatever they're going through. So I want you to be confident because I know you as a mom. Yeah. You're, I'm tearing up thinking about it. It's, that you yeah. have done. Okay. You have done the work. Okay. I'm here for you. I love you. And you can come to me. The mean girls are going to happen. Yeah. The being left out is going to happen. But the fact that she has a mom that she can go to and tell you what's going on Mm -hmm. is like such a huge piece of that puzzle. Okay. So I need to stop trying to fix it. I think so. Because I think what's important. So so do you just, are you supposed to empathize and just say. would be my formula for that. That you say, thank you. I'm here for you. And then you, you ask an open-ended question. Okay. So. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Or, you know, what's going on with that? And and then you empathize. And depending on the age of the kid, so like Amy, for you, and and also the fact that you have boys, they may not want a really long-winded paragraph of a response. You you may just say something like, That sucks. And then they're like, Yeah, it does. You know, like you know your kid and you kind of gauge like what the responses and for you it might be something like god it sounds like she's really leaving you out and then you'll hear she'll say yeah and and then this happened and then and then she's like wow my mom really she gets me she's Mm -hmm. with me and to say to her specifically you know what i just want you to know you are not alone Mm -hmm. and maybe you even want to share something that happened in your childhood yeah yeah i haven't done that yet and i need to you know yeah and, and, and can i tell you something this really reminds me of something that I went through when I was in third grade. And I remember, or and this happened, and she's gonna be like, Really, mom? Yeah. And she and all of a sudden she's validated. And and right. I think the problem is, so think about if someone if a kid came to you and said, So and so didn't invite me to her birthday party. 
And now think about if you're the kid and you're telling your mom and the first thing your mom says is, what? How could she not invite you? You're so amazing. You're so beautiful. I'm calling her mother right now and you're going to be invited. Imagine how that would shut you down Mm -hmm. and how embarrassed you would feel and how you wouldn't want to come back to that person. And then imagine a mom who says something like, oh, that must be so painful. And they're like, yeah. And let me tell you why. And it's like, wow, my mom really gets me. And then if you do really feel the need to fix or to do something action oriented, you know, you know how to come up with something that's appropriate for your family and your kids. So maybe it's, hey, you know what? Which girls do you really like? Who makes you feel really good? Let's invite a couple girls over this weekend. Let's plan a really good activity with them. You know, and I think that having that shift from in your own mind, and this is really what I do with my clients, and you you know this, Mm -hmm. is that oh, my kid cannot go through this. She's not going to be okay to normalizing it and saying, this is part of childhood. This is part of development. This is part of growing up. I am her calm, confident, strong leader, and I will help her get through this mm-hmm. and she will be okay. Yeah. So it's being the support system, which yeah. is what we are as parents is what we're here for. And okay. you don't want a kid. Think about the people that you really like who are interesting and fun and dynamic and funny and cool. Have they been through things in their lives? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Do you want a kid who's never been through anything? Right. That person is not someone I want to hang out with. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's excellent advice as usual. Excellent. All right. Thank you. I know. I'm like salivating. It's such good. It's like so good. That is so not what I do. (laughs) Like I am so anxious and wrapped up in my kids' feelings. So when we're talking about perfection and comparison, like we were in the beginning of this conversation. Like, I do not always do this, guys. I'm striving to do this. Right. But I don't. And and so take the advice with a grain of salt. Do with it as much as you can and know that even right. if take you're the not that it, you remember, yeah. Your kid will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. All right. Yeah. Okay. So my question, and this isn't really as deep, it's just more of um, just something I noticed that happens all the time, but it happened last night. And I was like, I'm going to ask Erica about this. And I've probably mentioned it before, but my little one is extremely sensitive, like overly sensitive and overly reactive to many things. Um, And in fact, I, I want him to go see someone just because I think he's just doesn't handle his emotions well. And so this is a good example. Last night, I was already in bed, but I hear him downstairs watching the Celtics game with my husband. Something happened and they didn't win and someone made some stupid move, whatever. And I hear him like bang the sofa and he's like screams. He's so upset and like comes running upstairs, like not hysterical crying, but like crying, like something happened to him. It wasn't just like, oh, they didn't play well in the game, whatever. He's like crying. Like, I mean, he's 13 years old and he's crying about his team losing the game. So it's a little bit overly sensitive. And he's like that with a lot of things. Like he gets, um, this isn't the right word, but like flies off the handle really quickly for things that are not big deals. So it's like, yes, I wanted to get him someone to talk to so he can have like strategies. Like, I don't know. It's not, it's not like anger management. I don't know what it is, but like he needs strategies to like not do that. He's, you know, sometimes okay. he's really good and sometimes, yeah, but anyway, I just want to get your thoughts on it. You want him to have healthy coping skills. Yes. So first of all, I want to remind you that when you're between the ages of like 12 and 15, there is so much going on chemically for them 
Like their brains and their hormones are like developing in such crazy ways. And the feelings that they feel are like a hundred times more intense than the feelings that we feel. So I want to normalize that for you and to tell you that, you know, I do not know. And yes, I do think it's a good idea for him to talk to someone, but, and I'm also not a psychologist and I don't diagnose, but it's probably developmentally appropriate. It sounds like. And I also think that it's also hard. And so, yes, it's normal and it's proactive to want to get him some coping skills. And so, you know, what, what does he love to do? Does he, does he exercise? Does he play sports? Does he love music? Plays sports, loves music. Yep. Like I know some kids, you know, they'll make like, um, like a playlist for when they're feeling a certain way. Like maybe he wants to do something like that or maybe... Like, I don't know if he's the kind of kid who can transition well from, um, like, screen time. But, like, maybe he does need, like, 20 minutes of just playing a video game with a friend to kind of wind down. Yeah. I think, too, it's late. Like, he's watching his games. It's late. And he's tired, probably, from the mm-hmm. day. So I would imagine, just like it would be for me, your emotions are more are higher because you're tired and you're just, like, yeah, you lash out or whatever. And- and the physiological needs are really a huge part of our emotions, as we know, you know, like mm-hmm. making sure that he is getting more sleep, maybe trying to tweak bedtime. I do not think phones should be in the room at night. I know. I, and I'm so guilty of it. It's so bad. I actually, it's very hard to control when the kids get older. It's hard, but I was validated by, I went to see this woman, um, this psychologist and parenting expert, Lisa Damore. I saw her speak. She also has a podcast. And I saw her speak last night at Greens Farms Academy here in in Westport. And she spoke to an audience of hundreds of parents, of uh, middle Mm -hmm. school and high school parents. And she's been practicing for like more than 20 years. And she said, phones should never be in the bedroom. Yeah, I got to rein it back in for him. Just tell him to put his phone downstairs at nine o'clock or whatever the time is. Not touch it. Yeah, and it's easy for parents to say, well, it's an outlet for them and they communicate with their friends and, you know, we make excuses. But when it comes down to it, if if that's going to affect physiologically what he's feeling and then in turn that affects everything, eating, emotions, you know, um, Mm -hmm. academic achievement, really sleep affects everything. And if if the phone's going to be the key to getting more sleep, I think that's a big piece of that puzzle. Yeah. And I think too, just like the wind down factor, like even if he is watching the game, it's very like adrenaline. So like mm-hmm. that's enough adrenaline. You don't need the phone mm-hmm. to like texting with your friends t- talking about the game. Mm-hmm. So it's just like another stimuli. So it's a really good reminder. Like I got to have him put him down, da- put it down in the kitchen. Cause he, we've just gotten a little bit more relaxed with it with him and like, it's in his room and, you know, I know he looks at it before he goes to bed or like he watches. Sometimes he's like watching a movie and he falls yeah. asleep, but still that's not good. Um, so I, I need to bring yeah. that in. The older one, I, forget it. It's a lost cause. <laughs> like I can't take it out of his room. It's like he's, <laughs> you still whatever. have time with the younger one. But he's still an opportunity. Yeah. And you know what? I feel like he's um actually can sort of cope better. Like he doesn't have a lot of those coping issues. Like he has other stuff, but like. And the phone used to be a bigger deal than it is now. And I feel like, yes, he's on his phone a lot along with all of his other friends. But I don't think he's like up all night on the phone. And I don't know how much it's affecting his other world. I mean, it probably is, but it's also good very difficult them. with him. It's good for them to have a break from, yeah. from just 
socialization. Because think about when we were growing up, like we came home and there was a break. Like even if you were on the phone. Oh my God, I used to come home and watch General Hospital every day. <laughs> and I used to watch Nana 2 and 0. Same. I mean, yeah. I mean, but like that was a break. Like you were constantly socializing yeah. Yeah. and bombarded with group chats and group text messages. Right. You're not talking to your no, friends. No, it's all not time. healthy. So we as the parents, I think actually our whole generation of parents has to really come together and say, like, for the well being of our kids, like we need to put stricter boundaries on this stuff. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. We've taken way up we've taken up way too much okay. of your time, but we need to have you back for part two. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being with us yeah. today. It's so yeah, good. I really best. love it. You guys are so awesome. We're going to have you back again soon, hopefully, if we can. Yay. Okay. All right, Nirvana Sisters family. Wait, I have something really funny just to close out with something light and airy that we were talking about before about comparing yourselves. I sent this quote, or one of my friends, we have like this funny group, group chat, speaking of group chats, and she sent this funny quote the other day, and it has to do with comparison, and I just want to read it to you because it made me laugh. It was from this Instagram page, Lulu and Lattes, it says, I hate people who make everything a competition. I'll say I'm tired and someone will attack me and say, I haven't slept in three years and I work 12 hour shifts. So how are you tired? And I'm like, and there's like 10 million question marks. And I'm like, question mark, question mark, question mark. Bitch, just let me be tired. Damn. LMAO. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, very so very yeah. funny. Yeah. We're all tired. We don't have to be the most tired. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Thanks, Erica. Thank you, guys. Quick note from Erica. If you believe your teen is having sadness out of the normal experience that you should absolutely seek help and can always ask your teen, are you or have you ever had thoughts of harming yourself? Thanks for listening to Nirvana Sisters. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, find us on Instagram at Nirvana Sisters. If you loved what you just listened to or know someone that would, please share it and tag us. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of Nirvana Sisters. We'll continue to watch out for all things wellness so you don't have to. Bye. Bye.